Welcome to The Interview Show. This is Scott Wood, your host. Right now, I'm standing in an alley behind the rickshaw in lovely downtown Vancouver, and I'm standing with one of the members of Deaf Heaven. I'd love you to introduce yourself. I'm George. I sing, and I am very happy to be here. Well, George, I'm very happy to talk with you. Let's start with, your songs are very long, so this is going to be a challenging show for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, they are long. I don't know why we do it, but, uh, but we do. I'd love you to talk a bit about how you put these tracks together, because they don't have a structure that most people are used to if they listen to pop music. Yeah, um, uh, a lot of the parts are written separate from one another. No song is really written all in one uh, sitting. And then typically we'll, we'll take uh, uh, two almost like similar sounding parts, things that have a similar chord structure or... Or, uh, or that we can um, change keys into or, or something like that. And, and we just uh, throw them together and jam on a little bit and put different ideas in and just try and make them as fluid and interesting as possible. Before we started chatting, you were going over guest list and you wanted to make sure that another band got on the list. Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, that band is No Joy. Um, I spoke with Jasmine a little bit earlier and uh, we did an East Coast tour with them. Um, last year and we pretty much see each other at this point all over the world and um, we are crossing paths so that they're going to come and come and hang out uh, we hung out in Paris earlier this year which was really fun I was visiting and uh, and they were touring through and and uh, and it was a really long drunken night it was good I think it's time to listen to a song we're going to listen to come back off your third record new Bermuda how does that sound Sounds excellent. Thank you. I would love it. <laughs> Do you always laugh when people play your songs? Yeah, yeah. I, I try not to laugh when we play them. That's that's actually more the challenge. So how about you tell me something interesting, fun, or shocking about this track? Uh, interesting or fun? I, yeah, we had a we had a pretty good time um, recording this album. Actually, uh, I'm not sure if it was this track specifically, but at one point there's a couple people on. Uh, ketamine. That was interesting. That's that's probably it. Yeah. I know everybody who's listening to this right now want to know what it's like to play music on ketamine. Uh, frightening. It, it, we, we were. I mean, some people were playing music. Other people's uh, weren't. There was a lot of laughing uh, and a little bit of terror. It was it was awesome. Always a good experience. All right, I don't want you to name names, but I'd love you to use your powers of observation. Uh, uh, one of them uh, plays larger guitar with fewer strings. He was the culprit. What I'm getting at is that you've seen this person play sober. You've seen this person play not sober. What's the difference? Uh, smiling. Yeah, yeah, probably a lot, of, a lot more smiling when the on the non-sobriety uh, version of himself kicks in.
You're listening to Come Back by Deaf Heaven. Off the record, New Bermuda, it's their third record. So since we're listening to Come Back right now, how about you talk about some components of the song and how you assembled that? Um, it's definitely our, probably our most metallic song on the record but also our softest as well and the the back end of, of the track um, was I think the first thing written for New Bermuda uh, we wrote that at this point um, maybe close to two years ago or a year and a half ago um, and we basically wanted to see if we could uh, create a song that had death metal parts and change them into kind of like a Wilco uh, low type thing uh, and I, I think we did I'm not you know that's for other people to judge but uh, it was difficult I guess so that's not an easy transition can you talk about maybe a false step you took on the way uh, so many false steps we, we, we do a lot of editing and, and reworking and uh, I, I can't really say anything specifically uh, you know my memory doesn't serve uh but, but we, we do re-edit a lot. Uh, usually the final version of the song will only come maybe a few days uh, or, or a week before it's actually recorded. So when you're singing, it's not always easy to tell what you're singing, but there is a message in your lyrics. So I'd love you to talk about the relationship with your audience when they need to really seek out what it is you're saying and singing about. I think for me, it's it's it's... You know, the, the vocal style serves the music um, in, in an appropriate way. And I've always felt that if people were into the music and wanted to uh, delve into the lyrics, that it would only strengthen the overall listening experience. Um, I think the lyrics are very important, even though they're not delivered in the uh, most clear way. So how about we flip it? Is there an artist that you admire where you need to put similar devotion into figuring out what the singer is singing about? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, a, a lot. Uh, pretty much every band in extreme metal. Um, so let's talk about one you really like. Uh, my first experience with really having to figure out what someone was saying was Deicide. And, uh, and yeah... Yeah, that, that was that was it. I guess BSI, uh, very low guttural vocals. I was like in seventh grade. I, don't know. I, I remember not really knowing what was going on. So let's talk about one time when you looked into a song. And you're like, wow, he's singing about this. Yeah, there was. Uh, there's a. So when you're when you're younger and you don't really know about a band, you you just pick up whatever album that you see first. And um, one of those albums was DSI's In Torment and Hell, which is. Uh, largely regarded as their worst album. One of the tracks, I think it's called, uh, what is it, Lurking Among Us, Walking Among Us? Uh, basically, uh, th- there's a line where um, talk about uh, chopping a Christian's head off. And I remember being like, oh, okay, cool, interesting. I've heard you talk about writing your lyrics for this record, George, and you were saying that, you were saying that your current lyrical perspective stems from the reaction of dreaming of success and stability for years and years and then finding other stresses once you've achieved that now for me i interview so many bands who are struggling and i never get to see them get to a point where they aren't so i'd love to hear when you get over that mountain what is there i I think more more of what it it dealt with was the idea of you know if if these material things are what i've been striving for what i've wanted and i have them now and I still feel 
unsatisfied with life, uh, what is the meaning behind that? What is like, you know, it, it was basically the record dealt with a lot of uh, uh, reconciliation and, and having to uh, really do a lot of self-analysis and kind of get to the root of um, of how I was feeling. You've also said that a lot of the lyrics stem from how you moved from San Francisco to Los Angeles to sort of begin again, and the dream didn't meet up to the reality. Yeah, I, you know, I just had a certain, um, I had a certain vision in my head of how things would be, and uh, of course, you know, most of the time, th- the, those thoughts are unrealistic, and this was uh, definitely an example of that, and and there's a lot more. A struggle than I was anticipating, um, but you know, I, thinking back now at that time and, and what I was feeling, the things I was going through, it was definitely a, a heavy readjustment period. I definitely learned a lot, uh, and and just it's, it's kind of just deals with becoming an adult really for the first time, and you know when you, when you've sort of refused that notion uh, up until then. Does this mean that for the next record you have to set yourself up for another situation where life doesn't meet reality? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I gotta, I gotta really force myself into another depression. That's the, that's the goal. Um, no, I don't know. I, as for, for uh, as far as the next record, I have zero idea of, of what I could write about. I'm, I'm so, uh, I'm so heavily involved in in this right now. It's hard to think outside of the new Bermuda box. So, I wanted to play a track from one of your older records. I'm going to play Dreamhouse off your second record, Sunbather. How would you like to tell me something fun about this track? Something fun? Uh, it, it's, it's bright. It's a, it's a, it's a brighter track. Um, it's sort of what propelled us into what I call the second stage of our band, which is kind of surpassing um, doing basement shows and... And, and getting a little bit more attention and uh, and a little bit of uh, notoriety. This this is the track that kind of that uh, did that for us. So it's it's one that I hold closely. And now I want you to tell me something dark and depressing about this track. Uh, the track basically deals with uh, lost love in the midst of uh, alcoholism. So. On it. Everybody has struggles. <laughs> very, very gloomy. <laughs>
So we're listening to Dreamhouse off the second record, Sunbather by a band called Death Heaven. I've got George here with me. And this is the record that sort of established that what you guys were doing was working. It got a lot of critical acclaim, this record. I'd love you to talk about this record versus the first record and how you guys got to a point where you felt that things worked. That's an interesting question. Um, you know, with the first record, we, I mean, we were kind of... Uh, flying blind in a way and and still figuring out our sound and, and, and what we were trying to accomplish as a band and, and the ideas we were still in the midst of figuring things out and uh, you know I'm very proud of that record and, and we toured a lot behind it and uh, you know we were also a completely different band at that point um, and then we essentially lost all of our members and Carrie and I had to pick up the pieces and, and write the second album and by that point he had taken over full um, writing control for the most part, and, and so I think that's when he really stepped into his own. And, and by the second record, we really uh, shaped our sound in a, in a more definitive way. So when you guys were working on it together, you must have been playing around with a lot of stuff. Did it just come together, or were you like, okay, we should do this? No, it. I mean, it came together. It came together over a long period of time. Um, it, you know, he... He wrote it in bits and pieces over the course of like a year, a year and a half. Um, oh, that was a big rat. Oh, there's so many. There's like a family of big rats. Um, well, that's cool. Um, the glamorous yeah. life of living <laughs> in Vancouver. Yeah, wait, wait, wait. Oh, yeah, we're off like East Hastings, right? That's the block. The block is hot. Um, and no, no, it, it was a lot of trial. Like, you know, with with songwriting in general, it's just a lot of trial and error. And, uh, and finding something that fits and then recording it and, and, you know, wondering if it's good or not and just going through the motions, you know, trying to trust yourself in the midst of everything. But you guys do something that not a lot of other people do. It's something that's quite divisive at times with metal fans. So when you were making it, was it just, we've got to rush to get this done because we got to record on this day? Or like, how did it work? Were you sort of fiddle around with what you guys do because this is the record that made it for you guys yeah uh no i mean i guess to a certain point we always have to set a recording date because it's what makes us kick into overdrive uh otherwise we'll just play around with with sounds and, and riffs for forever um so while we did take a long time on it and it was very thought out we definitely planned a recording date uh basically pushed ourselves to get it done and and hope that hope that we could do it. We also had to find a drummer, which was crazy. And we found Dan, thank God, uh, who was our current drummer. And he drummed on the record, and he was phenomenal. Uh, so we kept him, and, and he didn't hate us too much, so he stayed. And then we got the rest of our band together shortly after, and, and that's who we've been ever since. We're listening to Dreamhouse on the record, Sunbather by Death heaven i've got george with me george we were talking a little bit before about how what you guys do can be divisive if you talk to metal fans why do you think that metal fans care so much about genre um you know uh, uh metal is a it's a it's a very i uh, consider it to be a very sacred style of music it's um it's one that people uh artists and listeners alike put a lot of heart into and and you know i definitely understand when when a certain audience doesn't want that to be tampered with and and wants to remain insular and um, and and you know want, wants something that they can call their own uh, in a world that is dominated by um, you know pop music and otherwise um, 
but I don't know why, why you know, th there's a lot of bands that do what we do. Um, I think there's a lot of bands that, that we share a sound with, uh, and as, as for why we ended up being the sort of poster boys for this um, emerging style is, is kind of beyond me. I mean, I'm not, uh, not mad at it. Um, I just find the whole thing to be kind of an interesting social experiment, if nothing else. So what are two other bands who you feel are your brother or sister bands? Oh, God. I mean, uh, there's, there's a lot of them. I mean, Bostonage out of uh, San Francisco is, is definitely one. Um, you know, Winterfelleth over in the UK. Uh, Woods of Desolation, Alcest, uh, Lantlos. Uh, these are all bands that, you know, we love and, and are friends with, and uh, we play shows together, and it's, it's a cool little, little pocket. When you meet those guys on the road, do you ever say, hey, you owe me a beer because I'm taking one for the team? No, no. But uh, Stefan uh, from Alcest and I have uh, a lot of very long uh, conversations kind of analyzing uh, metal and, and, and why people feel the way they do. And, and he's very uh, enlightening to talk to and, and has a very good perspective. So it's, it's a fun conversation to have, I think. I mean, for me anyway. Sounds really interesting. You guys should put that on tape. Yeah, uh, that would be that would be cool. He, I mean, I, I'm when it when it comes to that, usually I'm more of a listener. But uh, I'm sure if he were to uh, do something like that, people would eat it up. I think they would. You have a volunteer here to tape it. But <laughs> on to Death Heaven. What's the funniest thing that you've read said about you? Oh God! Because uh, you must laugh, right? You must laugh about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it would kill you if you didn't. Um, I don't know. I got called like a like a satanic yoga teacher or something one time. Um, I, I think the funniest thing, for some reason, I think it's just really funny uh, that I ever read was Brooklyn Vegan comment like years ago, and um, we had played the cake shop in New York and. Uh, a lovely man by the name of Fred Passaro was taking photos of us and uh, put up the article and just the f and it was there was like an up close photo of me singing and the first comment was just it was just yellow teeth and I thought that was I don't know I like laughed out loud I do have very yellow teeth but I was like damn I think it's time we should play another track I'm gonna play Brought to Water that is a track off your latest record New Bermuda so George I would love it if you could say something about this track. Uh, this track it was the first full track that we wrote for New Bermuda. We had written little parts um, here and there previously, but this was the first song that like fully came together and one that I think uh, really exemplifies the sound of the record, and that's why we chose for it to be the opening one as well.
So on this record, New Bermuda, you guys have said that you wanted to focus on drum production. I'd love you to compare the drum production on previous records with what you did on this one. I think they've it's gotten better. Um, <coughs> sorry. I think it's gotten better as, as we've uh, gone on. Um, for this, we recorded uh, drums at 25th Street Studios in Oakland, which is the first time we had worked outside of Atomic Garden in Palo Alto, and it's a really massive drum room, uh, uh, very roomy, um, and just well-miked, and, and I think there's a, a little bit more focus on them, and, and they're a little uh, more finely tuned, and, and yeah, yeah, they, they just sound big. We just wanted really big drums, and I think we accomplished that. We're standing in the alley behind the rickshaw in Vancouver, there's all sorts of families of rats in the alley. I think some of them are fighting. Can you tell me about your favorite rat? I, th- I think this guy. One guy's frozen in the light right now. Looks like he's staring another one down. They've been sort of getting at each other, but he's in a he's in a really tense position. I don't know what he's gonna do. Oh, wait, there's someone coming behind him. George, like myself, likes the underdog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he look yeah, he's 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 scrappy. I like that. All right, so we're listening to Brought to Water off New Bermuda, the third record by a band called Deaf Heaven. I've got George here with me. This track has a nice piano ending. What inspired that? Uh, we wrote that in... We played Manchester, and, and we stayed out. We stayed in this, like, crazy cool house outside of Manchester, and our friend uh, Mark Wood, who was playing in the band Winterfell at the time... Um, stayed with us and the, this huge house had a, a piano and we were all just uh, drinking heavily and Carrie sat on the piano and uh, kind of came up with that and we made up a song around it. The next morning everyone, you know, laughing it off but uh, Carrie remembered the piano part and uh, at one point we were just like, oh we should put that in. Yeah, it, it was cool and, and, and it had a cool memory behind it and uh, I I thought that it'd be a nice touch. George has officially finished the beer that he brought out into the alley (laughs) to drink while we did the interview. I bet you, you are wishing that you listened to me when I said get another. (laughs) I have a, I got the bottom in, so I'm, I'm gonna sip on spit for a little while. It's okay. I'm good. All right, George, thank you very much for being on my show. I really appreciate it. Uh, I think, you know what, they actually learned a couple new things tonight. So I appreciate your time and uh, very much looking forward to the show tonight. Always love um, coming to the city. And uh, my girlfriend's parents live here, so I get to hang with them later. And uh, it should be a good night. So your girlfriend's parents are coming to the show? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. They're, uh, they're supporters. Are they the type of parents who are used to their daughter dating musicians? Uh, I'm not sure. You know, she's dated a, a variety of people, um, but I'm sure that a musician is is in there somewhere. So maybe, but not one as cool or good looking as me. You are very cool and good looking, <laughs> and I'm lucky to have you on the show. Thank you very much for being on my show. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate it. It was fun. Hey, this is George. I'm in Deaf Heaven. You're listening to the Interview Show with Scott Wood.